Welcome to the Prickly Couch podcast where three mujeres have real conversations. We'll share our stories and talk about wellness, familias, work, and everything in between in our experiences as Latina women. Welcome, y'all, to our next episode of the Prickly Couch. These are your hosts, Gabriela Hurtado. Karen Limon. Josie Serata. We'll get and that. We'll get it. We'll get it right. <laughs> one, day. At some point. one day. One day. One <laughs> day. It doesn't um, help that it's virtual. It's like waiting for the cue. You looking at me. Um, and today we have Rose Jones as our guest. Uh, we're gonna be talking all things motherhood, birth, and all the things. Pregnancy, COVID, all the things, and before and beyond. Um, so, so yeah. grab your partners, grab your family, <laughs> sit around and listen to this amazing discussion of all things for a theme. That'd be great. <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. Uh, trauma, uh, what, trigger warning, we're going to be talking about all kinds of bodily fluids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyone, if, if anyone in my family doesn't want to hear about my birthing experiences, hang up now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ro, thank you for joining us. We got Ro, mama of two. Um, mama is a keeper of the business, body, womb, wellness, right? Brain, body, womb, brain, wellness. body, womb, wellness. Damn it, I thought it, yes. brain, body, womb. Oh, there it is. Brain, she's a doula. She's a coach, a life coach, um, a holistic um, counselor, wellness counselor, a social worker, um, a brain health coach, and just an all-around badass. Hey, Ro. Hey, y'all. Thank you for having me. I'm excited, nervous, but very excited. Yay. Thanks for joining us. So um, Ro and I met through our work at Mama Sana, Vibrant Woman. Um, an amazing organization here in Austin, Texas, and um, Ro is a doula, a birth companion for them, and you do all kinds of things. We do all kinds of things there. Ro, yeah, all, all kinds hats. of things. All kinds of things, but it's good stuff. So um, uh, talk to us about you, Ro. Who are you? Who are your people? Where are you from? So um, where am I from? I was born in Decatur, Illinois. I grew up in Houston, and I lived in, I've lived in a lot of places, Mm -hmm. y'all. Not a military brat, but maybe like if people will be a factory brat, when your parents work in, your father works in factories, Mm -hmm. and they get laid off, we have to go to the next small town or Mm -hmm. town that has that. So, um, so yeah, that. So I moved around a lot, but I spent most of my time in Houston, um, north side. And um, I, then I, as I moved back and worked in St. Louis and um, I've been back and forth from the Midwest of Texas. So I ended up with, not ended up with, cause I earned a bachelor's in social work. And then I moved to uh, back to Decatur, Illinois and got offered a position. And when I got there, they're like, oh, you need a master's to have this job. I was like, hold on now. Like I all my whole life. So they allowed me to work the year, and then I went back to get my master's in social work with a, um, a specialization in schools. 
So after that, I worked in the school system. I've worked with kids forever. I feel like I've been a doula forever. My sisters had kids young and I was just there, you know, loving on the babies. Um, I identify as a protector of children. Um, so that really ties into doula work, even though that's not about me, but it ties into doula work because in order to gain a really, you have to build a rapport with parents before you be like, here's another way to parent. Yeah, <laughs> but it's true. all in it's all in my path of being a protector of children because I know how stressful it is to parent um yeah and how to kind of like keep your cool as a parent anyway but about and me uh, my guy you, you want to talk about I have too? my two my two babies um one is the girl look the girl it's for, <laughs> I guess, I don't know if I have permission to say her name. I didn't talk to her about this. So uh, the girl is four mm -hmm. and the boy is two. And we had wanted them closer than that, but the universe knew not to do that to me. Um, but they're so, two yeah, years apart. They're two eight, years yeah. and like one month apart. Wow. So I know when I'm fertile too. So like during that month, I'm like keeping it like on lock. Uh, a quarter or what the old folks say an aspirin between your knees <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah those are my two babies I've been a stay-at-home mom for four years I guess I've been working too but like mostly a stay-at-home mom um, I did not know that my life was going to be that like I'm pretty wild um, and yeah I got married um, to a guy we've been like friends forever we met on Facebook <laughs> yeah tell us about that we were we were pin pals he was in the army and I was like I'm gonna give me an army boo and he has those like picture with the guns like this I was like that is him and <laughs> you're like yes that's him and so he was he was sweeter than he looked on I, you know anyway uh so we're married <laughs> so yeah as far as family life that's yeah that's me and, and then I guess Yo, go ahead. Me is um, I'm still learning because I I'm, I was an old person, like not an old person, but I had this old personality, these old different ways. And when you come become a parent, when I became a parent, I wanted to integrate this new, more calm person. So I'm still learning um, who Roe is in a sense, but uh, I learned in yoga that I am a spiritual being having an uh, human experience mm. and I like that that's a good way to put it and uh, you just heard Gaiden's little fur baby she's got a, her, her she's got a puppy in the background so her fur baby was just barking yes um, so and I am he's a been, mother he's been chewing up plants lately oh yeah I'm a mother of zero humans but one dog so I don't know anything about motherhood other than being a dog mom. And I, I'm interested in what being a doula is. I was telling Josie earlier that before the live that we did on Instagram, I had no idea what that word meant. And I think my knowledge of that is very limited and it's more than what I actually think it is. So I was wondering if you could share what's, what it is. Okay, so one when I was pregnant with Araya, I did not know that 
wouldn't do Google was either. <laughs> I didn't know anything, to be honest. I didn't know. And it was like, oh, did you create your birth plan? Like, what is that? Like, uh, she just comes out, right? So when I, when I read the birth plan, it was like, oh, do you want this? Do you want glucose? Do you want, uh, are you going to have a, a, a doula? It, mm-hmm. Are you going to vaccinate? It was just like all these things. I'm like, I didn't know that it was this deep. Um, so I eventually learned that a doula is basic, not basically, because I don't want us to sound basic because we are not basic. Not at all. Um, but a birth coach. So some people will say an advocate, some people say they don't advocate, but I would consider a a doula an advocate for the parents, um, for the birthing person. They coach the person, or even before the labor, they're educating the parents on what this could look like. We all know that it's all going to be different, but what it could look like, and then um, things to look for when going into labor. I don't like to say birth plan, so I say birth preferences. Um, so what births look like, just getting to know the parents and knowing what their preferences are, and then working on affirmations, like how to birth this baby, how, you know. Um, so just coaching them all the way through. And then, of course, when labor comes, they would call me, um, and I will go over and support with comfort measures. So that could look like rubbing on their back, um, providing counter pressure. So when the contra- contraction comes, I'm like pushing, the, like pushing the like body together to make it more, you know, uh, comfortable. I, I use that, I guess I use that loosely. Um, so then that, that you have that aspect. And then after that, postpartum care. So that could be working um, with body feeding, breastfeeding, chest feeding and maybe and uh maybe organizing an area in the house washing dishes holding the baby bringing the mama's hair whatever they want that's within my ethics i i'm there to serve how long do you usually stay with the mama after afterwards after like how many visits do you do after so with mama's on arrival woman i do six sessions um, and then it, de- and then for my own practice, my own business, it depends on what they want. Mm-hmm. So they have, there's packages. So usually, um, if you have your, the prenatal package, you still get one postpartum visit and I'll go visit the next day after they have the baby, just to check in, and do the nursing part to talk to them about their postpartum preferences because it just doesn't end like they send you home if you go if you're having a hospital birth they send you home and it's like all right bye little baby good luck. <laughs> yeah good, good luck, luck. <laughs> um so it's really up to the parents I remember um I just want to be real y'all it doesn't end okay I still need a doula Okay, and my kid, my oldest is four. I still need a doula because we all go through uh, different phases and the kids go through, you know, through different phases. So I don't think it ends. They need like doulas for like middle school students because that's a whole nother podcast. It's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother thing. And then high school. Mm-mm. Yes, yes. Support through the life cycle is what we need. But it's true, though, right? Like, I feel like that's like, 
once I had children, I was like, this is why so many of our community members, right, traditionally had everyone so close, right? Like there were so many beautiful traditions around women, our menstruation, around this beautiful thing called birthing and giving life that like has been taken away in through racism and through mainstream shit, right? Like, like I needed, I wish I might, I had still now so many people, right, around. It takes so many. And our system here in the US is like, boop, here's your baby. Good luck. <laughs> and you're just like, what the fuck? And, and even our mentality, I call it the colonized mentality. Not that I, I like certain things about certain colonized ways but we were taught to be independent you remember the song i and i don't like that song anymore because i don't want to be independent anymore i need to be dependent we are here to really and truly connect with to raise and have a village um and to be able to count on each other and rely on each other for just whatever um so i takes a village like it sounds cliche but i mean like it is the real deal it does. It does. So before we transition more into, because that kind of leading us to the topic of pregnancy during COVID, which is cutting off so much of our connections, right? Um, talk us a little bit about your business, your different businesses, about okay. brain, body, womb, wellness. So brain and you changed, and then you changed. You just changed it. So tell us. I did just. Oh, so I I just changed it. Um, it was the embodied womb. Um, but I changed it to make it more integrative with the brain part because I passed my certification <laughs> exam and I'm like, oh, I'm a brain health coach. Okay, let me change stuff now. And I had already paid for that. So that's still mine. So people who are lurking, it's still mine. So <laughs> you can't have it. You want to pay for it. Um, but <laughs> so hey, we have some mind. good tips on copyrights. We can talk later, but we got a, good, okay. a, a copyright person we're using to copyright okay. stuff. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so brain body womb is an integration of all those things. So, and when you hear me say life coach people, <clears throat> it, there's a difference between life coaching and therapy. And for the brain part, because it's, is it a cheap way to use it? You need your brain for everything. So really you can name their business brain something because you really need your brain. So for the brain coaching part or life coaching part is a, a way to reframe negative thoughts that people have, or we, I could say we, that um, we have and to, so take that negative thought and reframe it into a different thought that is going to better serve you. So maybe that in a nutshell, like a, not a fast way, but it's very uh, solution focused. It's very task focused. So we're not going to, I love people, but we're not going to sit here and talk about how your mom made you wash dishes at four o'clock in the morning. You know, like, I mean, that's just, that's, that's usually not the issue. It's usually way more like traumatic issues. Um, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to move forward. So that's the brain part. And um, my big, big specialization, and that would be like, adults or people with uh, that live with attention deficit disorder. Um, so ADD, ADHD, 
um, that to show them that I'm a person that live with that and I'm still excelling. I'm still thriving. I did not let that hold me back. Um, so basically that's kind of what that is. And you can call it a, I mean, you can go by so many names. I also like to say I'm a personal development mm-hmm. coach. So anybody who is looking to change the way that they think and just to have a more fulfilled life and to live their optimal life, that's the brain part. And then it goes into the body part because a lot of the things that end with the womb and being pregnant, the part is the nutrition part. Mm-hmm. Obviously have to change our lifestyle that we eat and the things that we drink. Um, to, to have this optimal life. Then when you get to the womb part, that's all the doula stuff. And my specialty in that area would be postpartum um, depression and postpartum anxiety. So going past the baby blues. Um, so that part is really holding space for parents and um, kind of determining whether or not like, hey, you know, this is beyond me. This is the point where you, uh, I can work with you and we can find a therapist, um, but that will be my specialty item. And they're called like perinatal mood disorders, mm-hmm. uh, maternal mental health. And that was, those are one of those things that I knew nothing about. And what so got I, you into this? Yeah. What got you into on this I, journey? I experienced it. I didn't know what it was. I thought, so with Araya. I was able to like relax, rest, sit there and watch Netflix and read books. Um, but I started feeling anxious about driving places. I wouldn't go anywhere over 15 minutes. Mm. I wouldn't drive anywhere over 15 minutes. The road would close in on me when I was on the highway. So I would only like drive on the streets. And I literally thought like, oh, well, maybe I just, you know, really care about my baby. <laughs> I didn't think that this was a thing. I thought that every parent would like, oh, we don't go that far because the baby cries. But anytime she would cry, I'd be like, you know, like she's clearly dying, y'all. Like she's going to die because she's crying. Um, But I thought it was normal because I'm a new mom and nobody told me about this. And no one tells you. You don't know. Yeah. No. And they asked, and I would take her to the pediatrician. They would give you this little board and they'd ask you these little questions. Like, I mean, like it was, I want to talk about the pediatrician. I'm like, that's not helping me at all. Um, and then with Santiago, it was different because I had a toddler. So here I am like, oh, now I got two kids and oh, she's talking, she's moving. She wants to get back into things and she was adjusting to her brother. And then all of a sudden, like that anxiety came back and then depression came in and it didn't. And I was like, oh, this isn't depression because I wasn't like super sad. And I'm a, like, I'm a social worker. Like I was providing like therapy in the schools. Like, like, how do I, you know, anyway, I wasn't depressed. I was enraged. <laughs> I was mad. I was irritable. I was frustrated. I was like, my partner come on, like you complain all the time. You did this to me, sir. Like you did this. Um, and then I felt alone, kind of isolated. And even I, I had friends, but I felt like it, it was just all these different feelings that I had never felt before. And then it went to the, I am sad. And how am I a good mom? 
like, how am I, like, how did I have kids? Like, I, I wasn't built for this. And then I didn't feel like I was enough for my partner. And it just went into this spiraling down of like, I need to do something, but I didn't know what to do. So then I started researching and looking up what people, you know, like postpartum depression, um, all the, all the things. Mm -hmm. And that's how I got into it. But then there was like, there was no assistance for like, there was really nobody to help me with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You found it on your own. Did you have a doula with it? I did have, I did have, a. I had a doula. Um, and she stayed with me the whole time. And I even had to call her like in the car, like in front of Starbucks, just crying. Um, and that's not even my personality. Mm-hmm. I would never call anybody crying on the phone. Um, that is equivalent to crying and posting it on social media. I don't know. I'm sorry. I just, it's just like, why are we doing this? So, <laughs> so yeah, like that was big for me. Um, mm-hmm. But even within that, I I tend to suffer in silence. So she didn't know everything that was going on. She just knew that one time Mm -hmm. I caught her crying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was listening. There's a podcast on like, especially for women of color and black women specifically, how like, yeah, that like we got that suffer in silence locked down yeah right? we don't like, do that because we were told like, we don't want to hear that crying go in your room and cry so now I go in my room like, I, was in the ba- <laughs> I was in the bathroom I'm telling y'all I spent lots of time in the bathroom the bathroom knows my tears mm-hmm. I'll be crying or I would be like what or oh I said her name uh she'd be like are you okay mommy I'm like I'm so, so bad <laughs> I didn't want to hide it from her I was just like mommy cries too mm-hmm. but it was Ooh, it was rough. It was rough. It's rough. It's no joke. It's no joke. So, um, Gabby, how are you doing listening to this conversation, given that you are about to have this child of yours? Um, I think my anxiety rises from time to time just hearing people's experiences with new motherhood of like I don't know what this is gonna look like right this is something that I can't imagine this is not something that you can connect with until you're in it right it's like when you ask people how it is to be pregnant um, or how it is to feel a baby move you can't know until you know Um, and I think labor and having kids is the same you don't know until you know Um, so I think I'm just I'm listening I'm trying to take it in, but I can't even, even right now that I'm pregnant, I can't even imagine what that's going to look like. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that, for example, we've started to like get things ready for, for the baby and um, it still feels really surreal, Mm -hmm. very surreal. Um, Like, okay, we're buying these things, we're getting ready, we're registered for the hospital, we have the meeting with our doulas. and it just feels, I don't know, like we're preparing for this thing that we have no idea how we're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, it's, it's been, it's been interesting. Um, and what is funny is like, I, I've been around a ton of babies. I've been around a lot of moms. I've been there when people close to me had their babies, uh, supporting the postpartum piece for them and everything. But it's not the same. Like, I have no idea how that's going to look like for me. So yeah, I think just a lot of holding the uncertainty 
and trying to stay present right now with right now I'm pregnant and so like that's where I'm at and then I will be in labor and that's where I will be and then yep. I will be going home uh and just taking it like that because if I start thinking too much into the future I will get overwhelmed and like I right now 36 weeks 35 weeks is not the time for me to be getting overwhelmed so mm -hmm. uh it's that's just, a great strategy it's just not the time so so no I'm just not engaging further than today yeah it's a great strategy Right. I think I, I, I use that. Um, I use that in life. Generally, I try to like stay present, try to come back, come back because my brain likes to do its thing and go all over the place and, and make up all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, and with my pregnancies, um, because you don't you just don't either one pregnant, either your first pregnancy or your second pregnancy you just don't know. Like with my second one, I had gestational diabetes. My first one, none of that. My first one was the C-section. My second one was a vaginal birth. Like they were just completely different. Right. And so you, you just don't know. Right. Um, it's like, I, one thing it does teach you is like, um, to let go, right. To do what you're doing is like, you got to roll with it. Right. You got to, and, and, this child's gonna come out with its own little personality, right? My first one like screamed and cried. I remember calling my, my one of my friends. He's, he's just crying so much, right? Like, is this normal, right? And my second one was just chill. He's just watching his older brother, right? It's just each one is so so different, right? So I think that, that's a beautiful strategy, right? It's gonna get you through labor too. <laughs> stay in and now right I mean it's taking <laughs> but, uh, a while I think that if this had happened if I had gotten pregnant maybe last year or the year before I think it would have looked very different for me I think that this year unfortunately or fortunately you know I went through one of those experiences that changes you before getting pregnant which was losing my dad in a very sudden process um and the one thing that I took from that and, and the, the conversations that I had with him during that month was that you have no control over anything. Like the one thing that we know is that things will change and that you can try to either control the outcome of things um, and spend all your energy and wheels in that, or you can just release and be present and you can do both. And um, I think having to practice that in such an intense situation and then quarantine happening and COVID happening is just been a point of like I think total surrender because there wasn't another option in order to survive this year I had to fully surrender to the process of like I don't even know what this would look like because this year did not look anything at all like what I had planned my pregnancy didn't look anything like I thought it was gonna look like so it's gonna be what it's gonna be. <laughs> I think we started making this joke here at home where I was like, the word of this year is Nimolo, you know? And my husband has like adopted this vocabulary of like, it's gonna be what's gonna be, you know, we have Whoa. to let it go. Um, and Whoa. so- It is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so now I'm like, eh, it is what it is, Nimolo. Nimolo. <laughs> moving on, you know, so. Um, I think it's been that it's just been a process of surrendering and 
detachment. I think in a positive way of what I want things to look like, um, which for anybody that knows me knows that that's really hard. Um, and so I like to have processes and, and things that make sense and this year doesn't make any sense. So I have to deal with it. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. It's huge to better like that's a, and there you go. I feel like that's the motherhood makes you grow in so many different ways, right? Like even it's starting with that pregnancy, and then for the rest of your life. <laughs> that's what everybody has said. That like you just so, need to be open. You just need to just let go. And I was like, yeah, I don't even know what that means. Uh, <laughs> when you're asking, they're like, oh, so this this birth plan and stuff. And I was like, I don't even know what you're saying right now. Like, should I? people plan for this like they plan for all the things and apparently they do and i'm just like well i sure whatever <laughs> fucking um so it's been interesting and that's why i don't like to use the term birth plan mm -hmm. and why birth preferences is preferred um, because what happened is I had this birth plan and I I don't know if we, I don't identify as this anymore but control issues you're like I needed to be in control of this birth I was like I'm gonna be happy I'm gonna have positive vibes this whole pregnancy like no one is gonna stress me out this is my birth plan this is what we are sticking to did you not see you know, like the check mark right here. And then the OBGYN was like, is your, is your husband a, a doctor? And I was like, no. She was like, well, then how is he going to catch the baby? Did you not read my birth plan, ma'am? We're going to do everything in this birth plan. And, uh, yep, did not go as such. It was like, and I wasn't with the, it is what it is. No, it is what I checked on this. No, it's my birth plan. I was very attached, very attached to that. And I was, the outcome was not the outcome that I, I wanted. And that to me, you know, contributed to a lot of the other, like. The trauma. Issues. I feel, yeah, yeah, the trauma. Um, so there's actually like postpartum, postpartum um, PTSD, mm -hmm. post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. disorder. Oh yeah, I held yeah. on to that. I was like, if this doesn't work, breastfeeding must work. It was like, I was taking one thing of control and was like, I didn't get that. So I'm gonna control breastfeeding. Um, so one of the best things that you're doing, Gabby, is really surrendering, really surrendering and detaching from the outcome and just being present. Like that's, that's great that you're doing that and that you're in that place. Um, so I honor that. Yeah, I've heard so many stories from 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 friends that are like traumatized and and feel like not a good enough woman, not a good like not they feel not valued because they weren't able to push out the kid in their bathtub, squatting with people behind you know like the hardcore like a beautiful way, but we just our bodies are different, right? I'm the only one out of me. No, 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 I lied. My little sister did have a vaginal birth. She was the first one to have a vaginal birth. 
um, out of my mom and my and my my sisters, and we just were told we couldn't it couldn't happen because our hips were too small. <laughs> right and so like if I would you know like if I would have stuck to this like hardcore then I would have felt like shitty about myself because my baby was breached and I had to have a c-section but there was no nothing I could do about it like completely nothing we tried all the things everything they even went in there and tried to turn him while he was like he was just up in my ribs <laughs> he loved my, that yeah uh, mine was transverse lie and they're like go swim I was swimming I was doing what is it upside down stuff I was like babe can't don't you know like hold me up I was like going upside down um, but I did, I felt very much like, um, all this, I was so mad at my body, mm-hmm. all this work that I did for you and eating all this organic food and spending all this money and I can't even birth the baby. And those are the thoughts that I had. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think versus how beautiful and amazing are our bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, hello. Cause I was thinking too, like I, we just you know, human. I always thought of, okay, so once I'm pregnant, I'm going to have to like have this super balanced meals and this like workout routine that starts with like yoga in the morning and then, you know, all these things and LOL, right? Like I feel like shit the first three months and it was so bad. I was like, I can't, let's be thankful I'm here. Let's be thankful I can drink some water and some crackers and Sprite and that will be it, you know, but I felt, and, and, you know, this is something that I do, part of the work that I do is around eating disorders, and uh, I, I know that this is, it would, it would have been fine, the baby will be fine, um, but I, I, I felt so much judgment and so much shame about the way that we're supposed to take care of our bodies while we're pregnant, and in thinking about it, I was like, well, I didn't stop being Gabby, when I got pregnant, <laughs> you know, like, and somehow there's the expectations that then we have to be perfect or we have to like change who we are at our core in order to feel, fit whatever idea is that we have a motherhood in the community. And, and it's, I think it, it constantly makes you feel, at least for me, those three months, it was like, this is constantly making me feel like not good enough. Uh-oh. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Are y'all losing Gabby? I'm losing Gabby. I'm back. Gabby, hold on. We're losing you. You're back. You're back. Sorry. I think so. (laughs) Okay. Um, You're a robot. Me, 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 me. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. That it made me feel, um, I think this expectations of motherhood that we have in the community, it just felt, made me feel or it landed me on a place of feeling very incompetent and not good enough, you know, because I felt like I had to do this perfectly. I'm like, almost like I want to restart my pregnancy so I can eat in this very particular way, right? You know, um, I can nourish my way in this, uh, my body and my mind in this way so that baby doesn't have any stress or any issues or any problems. Cause I, I was like, I was already grieving for a month. Like, what is that going to do the baby? Um, so it was doing conversations with, I think my own family of just checking me um, in different ways um, and allowing me to center and to realize that that was coming from a lot of fear um, 
and maybe still grief and maybe other things that were coming up. Um, and then when you can't really do it, you just have to let go. <laughs> it just forces you to let go. Mm -hmm. So how has it been the piece, and I'm wondering both for you, um, the people you're working with, like around being isolated? Well, I did, I mentioned before that I think so part of the brain coaching part and the, the coaching part in general is changing the way we think about it, reframing our thoughts about the way that we are thinking about this. So when they were like, oh, social distancing, I'm like, we're not social distancing, we're physical distancing, but we are continuing to be social. Um, so for just for our family, even though I wasn't pregnant, um, it was exciting. My partner was home. Um, we were watching movies. I was like cooking. I was enjoying cooking because I don't like to cook. So I don't want anybody to get confused and think that I like to cook because I don't want to sell that. Um, but I was enjoying it at the time because I was trying all these new things. Y'all know the quarantine stuff that people do. I was like putting on makeup. I was doing all types of stuff, um, you know, different crafts. I can't even think of all the crafts I was doing. Um, so I thought it was great. And then for a pregnant person, it to me, I think that it's great to relax. Like maybe you're still working, but now you don't even have to worry about like getting dressed. Like you don't even have to buy maternity clothes now. Like you don't have to wear a bra if you don't want like, you could be naked so I think and then I don't like think Gabby's wearing that? pants right now Gabby's not wearing <laughs> pants <laughs> oh Gabby you're you're froze again can you hear me now yeah yeah I'm wearing dresses all day but I, I don't wear shoes I haven't worn shoes since March yeah I mean like this is I think is and we're ruling out trauma so we're ruling out abuse and right, all that. Right. This is just great. Right. It's great. And I think that when I got a little more comfortable with this whole thing, I was like, I think it's safe to go on hikes, right? So we would find like areas where like we know no one would be and we would still go outside. So we were like earthing and ecotherapy. And it was, I mean, honestly, there was like no traffic. It, it was just, I mean, like, it, I don't know. It's just great. Um, the situation and the circumstances that are surrounding this, no, and we had, to, I had to stop watching the news. It just mm -hmm. was not good for my mental um, health. Um, but when it comes to in the hospital aspect, doulas were not allowed. Um, at one point, it was like, are we going to allow the partners to come in? Mm -hmm. And anybody that comes in needed to get COVID testing. And then once the baby comes, like, are we going to put them immediately on a ventilator? Are we going to, mm -hmm. it was this whole thing where like no skin to skin. And that was like, hold, hold on now. Like, what? Mm -hmm. It was turning us into this, um, I watch a lot of sci-fi. But like those born babies that are born in the tube thing, like mm -hmm. not humans, we're humans. So um, all that went on. So for the beginning, nobody, we, we couldn't do anything. There was nothing that we could do other than promote home birth. Mm -hmm. And even promoting home birth is still like, you have to like not be in tip top shape, 
but you have to <clears throat> be eligible um, for a home birth and be able to afford it. I do have, I know that some people are out here like doing the community work and um, not charging as much or trying to provide free um, home births. I was a part of a free home birth. Like I was the doula for a person who received a free home birth because the community, um, um, Denise, a midwife raised the funds for this mm -hmm. family to have a home birth during COVID. So that was, that was an, an option. And then other than that, it was kind of like explaining to the family, like I could try to be there virtually. Yeah, and I know a couple, a couple of y'all had to do that, right? Like they yeah, put and up it was, yep. and it was like going in and out and it just, it wasn't, I'm pretty sure whether you have a birth plan or birth purposes, it is not what that birthing person wanted. It was scary. It was scary for us knowing that our people were about to go enter like the unknown. Mm -hmm. um, but now I have to say like, I'm, it's better. I did a, um, a hospital birth. So I was able okay. to go into the hospital. Um, I just signed in, they checked my temperature. And then once the birthing person labored and went to the antepartum room, so that's their postpartum room, I had to leave. Okay. Which was cool because that person had a partner and they had, uh, you know, they had a lactation consultant there. And then I went to go see her the next day. But, and then if there, if she didn't have a partner, then I could have went, but it was not like that before. Okay. okay. And some hospitals still aren't allowing people, but that one, particular one was at Seton and they allowed me to come. Gabby, yours is going to allow you to, your doula to come. Is that right? Yeah, and the hospital I'm delivering, they um, consider doulas medical personnel, so they can come in um, and be there with me the whole time, and they're allowing my partner to be there the whole time, but I do have to wear a mask. I was still doing labor, so we'll see. Um, hopefully not. Um, what, what about, has that been your experience, Ro? Are, they, are mamas wearing masks during labor? Now, I don't remember i have to look at the picture i don't think so but let me tell y'all i was very distraught because i wanted the baby to come out seeing me with a cat mask and it was upside down <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like i want him to see a cat when he comes out and yeah nobody <laughs> told me it was upside down. i don't recall her having to wear a mask i mean what, like let's not do that to you let's not have you pass out while laboring it's hard. No, mm -hmm. we'll see. Um, that's what the I think the doctor wanted to prepare me for, like, Just you know, case. all the things. So I know that I have to get tested when I go into the hospital, but my partner doesn't. Um, which doesn't make any sense. Is your mom gonna be able to be? No. Is your mom gonna be able to be in the hospital? No, you only have um, one person, and um, and doula. your doula. Mm -hmm. Or, you know. You mean I can't be there to catch the baby? <laughs> I mean, you're a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm like, boom away. I'm her psychologist. Do it over. I'm catching this baby. It's part of my birth plan for Gabby. <laughs> Which is why I really like, I'm, um, I'm very pro-home birth um, because Everyone. anybody can catch the baby. And I say that laughingly. But I, one of my, one birth, I say my birth, like it's mine. Um, 
one of my people's, my mama's birth, when the baby was coming out, she was laboring with like one leg up and one leg on the ground. It was just a strange position, okay? And there in the middle, I was like, somebody's got to catch the baby. <laughs> and they're like, Ro, are you going to catch it? I'm like, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so we're all like nutting up like, uh, and I'm like, where's the dad? <laughs> Oh, he came, he like ran over like super dad and he caught his Did he baby. Did he catch the baby? He caught uh, his baby because Ro was going to let the baby just. <laughs> <laughs> so I never, that was like, I didn't know. I didn't know I could do that. I would have caught the baby. Just little baby oh, out there. No, you. <laughs> so cute. I didn't know catching a baby was a thing. It's a thing. I didn't know. <laughs> I'm I learning this today. It yeah. is a theme because they're slippery. So depending on, so if you're laboring on your back, which of course, like I don't, I, I don't want anybody laboring on their back. It's unnatural. But if you're laying on their back and they, the baby slides out, since they're slippery, they can just slide down. But if you're laboring like a squat position, which is how we should labor, the baby, somebody has to catch the baby. It comes out. <laughs> I have a mental image of like a softball in the picture machine of just like, popping out or like candy dispensers <laughs> I don't know Donna yeah it is quite but like that it's you, like boop, boop, boop. <laughs> but if you have an epidural you can't use all those positions you have no, to stand if, on your back if you yeah because you can't move yeah so I was they they laid me on my side and then they gave me this whatever they had a contraption that held my legs up <laughs> So yeah, I did have that. The parent that got an epidural, she labored halfway on her side, one leg up like this, the other one like this. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it just, it, it, it takes, it makes your pushing longer. So mm -hmm. it was an hour of pushing. Whereas in most of the home births that I've been a part of have been like four pushes, if that, and Wow. Here they come. Oh, baby's coming. Oh. Wow, that makes sense. Because gravity. Yeah, that makes sense. Dang it. Where were you when I was having Santiago? <laughs> <laughs> they had to use all the things. So they had to use, right? So I had to have, I went into labor and wasn't um, dilated enough. I So they had to use the Pitocin. I did get an epidural. They had to use... Um, they ended up using the suction cup, the suction thing, which is like this weird ass contraption that looks like a cone. They put it on his head and then it's like, but like they have a string that they pull. So like the doctor's literally like, okay. And she's like with her feet up, like trying to pull out my baby. Right. And then it pops off. Right. And we're like, what the fuck was that? And she's like, okay, it popped off. Let me try it again. Let me try it. So three times she had to put that thing up in there and grab him because he was like up in my, under my bone. That's how um, the girl, which I've already said her name. So, but the girl was, they, and, and she had a cone head. Remember the cone heads? That was her. Yeah, that was Santi. For a, I don't know, it was for a while, I was like, I didn't know if her head was ever going to be normal. <laughs> and he had a big old, like, um, chupa, like a chupa mark. Yeah, she... Like, it was like a big old purple yeah. 
from them pulling, pull, popping. But she, I was finally like, she's like, okay, Josie, if we don't do this third one, we're going to have to go back and do a C-section. So I was like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like everything I've had in my soul went into that last push and I got that little motherfucker out. Oh, you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> But it would have been easier if I could have been squatting versus laying down. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of fear factor. I don't know how holistic we're going here. But there are a lot of fear factors. And I'm not saying that these people don't know their job. They're doing what they're taught to do. But I also trust the the person birthing the baby. And so they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Or, you know, I don't know. But the baby's going to come when the baby's going to come for the most part. And there are things, there are issues that arise. But for the most part, baby comes when baby comes. And just allow the natural process to happen instead of like scaring these parents. Everybody that I know, everybody that I know has been told you need to be induced. Mm. And I'm like, well, you know, and then I'm trying not to like be all. They don't know what they're talking about. So I'm like, it's up to you. You have the options of staying home and like thinking about it for 24 hours. And then if you want to go in um, or do, you know, and that's hard for me to detach from that. Yeah. I have to do a lot of rough. Yeah. And then it's not always necessary. Even some of the C-sections is not necessary. And let, and just, some of those doctors are like, hey, I got a wedding to attend. Like, let's get yeah. this baby. Or there are so many mamas on the on this this ward. How am I going to be able to catch them all? You need to start right. adding some Pitocin to this mom in there. Or I'm going to have two babies at 7-Eleven. And I'm not going to be there for both because there's only one on call. So those things really, really do happen. And sometimes I think that these interventions are um, being pushed on people who don't know. And, you know, it's, and it's scary. That's scary, You're, especially with a first time parent. That's scary to hear, like, oh, I need to be induced because of, and it's usually the same three words. I don't even know what they are right now. They start with a P. They're all P words, three of them, and they say them. And then it's scary. Because obviously, who wants to be like a bad pre-mother? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, so that's hard. That's that's hard. Yeah. But yeah. As long as the baby's safe, mommy, you're safe. But those are, you know, those are issues that I think that come arise with um, just in my mind in general, especially with Black and Latinx people. Our our babies are dying, you know, well, I don't want to scare Gabby, but I mean, our, the, the infant and maternal mortality rate is like high for women of color in general, but yeah. like really for like black for, women, like, yeah. and we're like dying. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. And a lot of it is like systemic racism. And how do you prove that? How do you prove mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that that happen. I will I will say from the hospitals that I've been to in Austin, um, for the most part, the experiences have been great. Like they've been great to me. But do they still push inductions and pitocin and C sections? Right. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah, because there's all those other factors involved, like you just said, right? 
um, that are playing into those endorsements of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great to, I love that Gabby has a doula, right? Like, I wish I would have had that. Just to know, you don't know, right? So just to know, like, what the fuck are they talking about? What the hell is Pitocin? <laughs> um, what is that going to do? <laughs> right? And Even with the glucose you're in the middle testing. of labor. During the middle of labor and they're throwing terms at you. I, I was literally like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, do what you got to do. Get this baby. Help me get this baby out. Like, I didn't know. So it's just like, yep, do it. Yep, do it. Right? They'd ask, like, um, do it. <laughs> I definitely like, wish I had a, a doula with the first one. I, I mean, like, I, I mean, I'm not going back. And I've already, like, processed my birth trauma. Um, but just, you know, just a dream. I did wish that I mm-hmm. had a doula there. Because I was my own advocate. And how am I advocating for myself? And I'm hyperventilating yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, just taking care of yourself. Right. Like, I think that's the thing, too, is like being able to like have someone, you know, I have a friend who was a doula at the time and she, you know, was like, use this, use this. Here's the kit. Right. Like, which haze, which hazel and spray this and spray that and sit this way. I didn't have, yeah, I didn't have any of that. Right. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to close my legs. I didn't know to keep heat instead of cold. I didn't, I didn't know that I was supposed to be resting 40 days. And obviously that's a, that's privilege. Let's be real. That's mm-hmm. privilege to even be able to do that. Yeah. But I didn't even know that that was a, I should be resting. And if I wanted my uterus to be normal and the pelvic floor, and I'm like, what are these things? Like, I like, what? So yeah, I wish I would have had uh, a doula for the first time around. So the amazing thing here in Austin, we've got good networks to yeah of women of color who are doulas who are doing this work who understand right like um the cultural nuances who understand systemic racism and how it shows up um and who can support um mm-hmm. mamas uh so yay thank you so much for the work that you do um and for the organizations here that do this work um, is it's so, so, so needed, right? We've got the mainstream, you know, pressures that we get from society. And then we've got the cultural stuff that, you know, um, we're also managing, right? Like breastfeeding was, a, my mom was like, what the fuck are you doing with that? Why is that baby stuck on her nipple? I'm like, cause I'm breastfeeding, <laughs> right? And then my mom was like, cause my mom was part of that generation that was all, formula like like she got pills that dried up her milk like they were like nope you're not that's not healthy for your baby um <clears throat> and so even still so still she still comments I remember when you were breastfeeding I'm like <laughs> yeah I had I had but, to like know, defend that trauma that trauma given to our communities I had to defend my breastfeeding and not covering up my baby and all that. And then I ended up, I when, when all this happened, I was like, why is this a thing? But remember I said in the past, I was wild. Okay. So I, you know, I'm cool. With, I'm cool with my body parts being all out and about. Um, but I ended up finding a, I ended up call, like talking to my grandma and she was saying that the WIC program made formula seem so amazing and they would give you this basket with these coupons and then if you were breastfeeding then you were deemed poor like if you're breastfeeding your baby back then like you're poor and you know who wanted to like be showing people that they're poor and then um some doctors even had told um 
a woman of color that their nursing, like their breast milk wasn't as nutrient dense yep. as yep. a European person's. And then after seven months, it was considered um, yep. sexual abuse. If you were feeding your baby past seven months, there's a lot of other things that I read and I just was like in disbelief. And I was like, oh, now I get it. Like they're holding on. Like yeah. our, my family was like holding, like how you hold on to all these like weird, they're weird things. And how long are you going to nurse her? Mm-hmm. Like what? However long it takes. Mm-hmm. And that was a thing too. And I still see people, um, parents being shamed if their kids are like walking and nursing or mm-hmm. eating food and nursing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like, this isn't hard enough. I don't need other, even other moms like talking about what I'm doing or bashing the um, parenting choices that I'm making. Yeah, like Gabby said, you know, like even during the pregnancy period, right? I remember like being so upset because I couldn't do yoga. I couldn't fucking do yoga. I couldn't move my body that way. My body, it hurt. My body hurts, you know? And like, I was just like, fuck this. I went to one yoga class and I was like, fuck this shit, right? <laughs> like never again. <laughs> <laughs> but like I felt bad that I couldn't do the things that all these other moms around me you know were doing I was just on my sofa <laughs> like, honestly it's like fuck the yeah, world. I mean other moms will make you feel bad too yeah I, yes, other moms make you feel bad you know about the the food choices right like I think well yesterday I was talking about this I love turkey sandwiches they're natural part of my diet that's what I eat <laughs> I will continue to have my turkey sandwiches while pregnant and people have really strong opinions about turkey sandwiches, apparently. Oh, um, uh, Gabby. Is there really? Is there again? Is there again? Okay, call on. You're back. You're okay. moving again. Am I moving? Turkey sandwich. Yes, turkey sandwich. Yeah, you're back. I was talking about it yesterday. Um, that not a part of my diet. I will have my turkey sandwich on the regular. It's part of my snacks during the day. And people have really strong fucking opinions about turkey sandwiches or anything else that you eat, right? And they go into this rant about listeria. And I'm just like, because that's not a thing in Mexico. It's not, right? So I'm like, but people are eating spinach and like listeria could live in spinach or ice cream. I mean, there was that ice cream brand that had listeria not that long ago. So I was like, "Mm, interesting that people feel I feel like once people know you're pregnant, it's almost like mm-hmm. you're communal. And so like, it's okay to tell you all these things and have all these opinions and touch mm-hmm. you. And it's just very bizarre. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it. And, and that is, I would- But see the beauty, quarantine. the beauty of quarantining. Beauty of now, quarantine. Now no one can touch you. <laughs> So excited. I'm learning so much. I didn't know. I don't know what that listeria of stuff is. Mm-hmm. And that is turkey and spinach. <laughs> You'll be fine. It's basically yeah. a bacteria. It's a bacteria that can happen or you even think salmonella and all the things. Um, I'm a person with strong opinions. So I'm accepting of others with strong opinions. But let me tell you something. If it ain't the turkey sandwich, they're gonna be like, "Why are you drinking pure and not spring water?" It's like, uh, like, 
what? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, you know, yep. can't win for losing with everybody. And Well, and that's a good point, your body. Gabby, like, right, in Mexico, in your hometown, back home, right, like, like it's like, in Panama, right, like, the eggs and the counter, yeah. why are the eggs on the counter or not in the fridge? Like, we grew up with the eggs in the fridge here, and then we go there, like, oh, they're just fine <laughs> you know it's like like just these things that like become norm here and then they're like you're judged by not and you're like motherfuckers where I'm from please everyone's eating turkey 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 and they're fine <laughs> I'm like it's okay I'll put it like it's in the oven it is fine it's okay um but yeah people have like a lot of opinions about apparently what I was eating Definitely a lot of opinions about how my body changed. Um, uh, the level of movement I was engaging in. Um, I don't know, just a lot of what opinions about everything. Um, from like when we found out the gender of the baby, which we didn't mind either way uh, to find out if they just send that to us. Um, so we're like, okay, cool. Um, I don't know, it's just been a very strange experience and for me I really don't appreciate when people like give me their opinion and I didn't ask for it um especially as it's being pregnant I feel like my level of tolerance for bullshit is just gone right down. <laughs> so so yeah I'm just like I don't care um so it's been interesting but I'm thankful yeah. for quarantine <laughs> well Gabby tell Ro about pups I had oh. never heard of pups before so that was a surprise. So <laughs> I, um, a couple weeks ago, got diagnosed with pups that for those that you don't know, it's like this rash all over your body that you get. It looks like almost like um, a heat rash or like hives and you get them all over your body. Um, they start kind of, if you have any stretch marks um, or really in your abdomen, that's where they start. And then they go into your legs and your arms all the way, like they can cover the back of your hands, all the way to the back of your feet. And there's nothing they can give you. Um, it will only go away once you have the baby. Um, it's extremely uncomfortable. It's painful at times. People uh, that I talked about it, they're, they compare it to many different things and they're like, oh yeah, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's not threatening to the baby. And I'm like, well, since I'm carrying the baby, um, it is extremely uncomfortable for me. Uh, so that should matter too. Because um, it's not a little bit uncomfortable. It's actually, um, it's unbearable at times. And so Kira was like showering four times a day, putting all sorts of lotions in it and nothing really makes it go away. You're just, you tolerate it. Um, they gave me some medication because he had gotten really bad after a few days. And so right now I'm okay. I'm not as itchy, but um, that was something I didn't expect that could happen. And I was told that it happens to like one in 200 pregnancies or something crazy like that. Um, it's rare. Um, I have all the remedies for it. I bought it. I went two days, I order all these things and I was like, yes from this country and other countries <laughs> like give me everything <laughs> and I was reading people's like experience with it and this woman was saying that she would have to do an oatmeal bath from three in the morning to six in the morning 
and just sit there so that you could sleep for a couple hours because it was so intense. Gabby, so yes, yeah, so fuck everyone about their turkey sandwiches because <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, like the Enjoy last thing you're worrying about right now. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know That's what? the thing. It's like, yeah, I used to. This is TMI, but I used to have a thing about taking a shit in public before I had kids. Before I was pregnant, I was like, I'm fucking pregnant and I'm letting it rip <laughs> wherever I'm at. <laughs> you just lose, like you're just. Yeah, you just don't care. I don't, I don't care anymore. Yeah, I just, it is what it is. Fuck all y'all. I'm going to child in here and I'm gonna take a shit in this bathroom. It's gonna smell you so bad. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was my thing. That was my thing. <laughs> so yes, yes, Gabby, you eat all the fucking turkey that you want to eat. <laughs> yes, I will, and I have. <laughs> I don't give a shit yet. No, but really though, I think that I'm just like I don't understand what makes it okay for people to have you know the audacity to just go up to you and like say all these things that are they're unhelpful and like honestly none of their business you know um like people feel really comfortable coming up to me and they're like oh was he planned and I'm like mm, seems like like I don't even know you that well and like <laughs> it's really inappropriate but, like you should invite me for a drink something should happen here uh before you ask me a question um just yeah just a lot about my body and like just a lot of inappropriate questions that's partly why we decided not to find out the gender um for either of our kids because of that it was like the only thing we could like keep to ourselves because everyone was up in our grill right for years i i had i didn't have my baby till i didn't get pregnant till i was 30 that was like I was vieja. I was like super old in my family, right? So they're like years, everyone's waiting for me to have a child. So finally, like I get pregnant and it's like everyone's child, right? Like everyone can say the things from this country and another country and other countries, right? Like cross borders, they could touch, they could touch and say all the things about my body, right? And so we kept, we kept the gender. We did not find out until those babies came out and we did it with both of them. And it was like our way of just like having something between Robert and I that was like special, right? That was like ours that like, and then when they came out, everyone's in the waiting room, like, of course, the first thing, gender, 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 right? They want to know. And Robert's text is like, the baby's healthy, but didn't say anything about gender. And so they were like going crazy for like two hours until they finally found out. But it's like, it's that's about y'all like we didn't we were having a healthy baby mm -hmm. that was what was important for us so y'all I mean and one of my sisters was mad mad at me she's like I know you know the gender you're just lying you're just keeping like she would send me angry like texts cussing me out bitch I know you know the gender like, fuck tell it me <laughs> just like damn People are attached to the weirdest things over like this pregnancies. I have oh heard God. from people that I haven't heard in years from asking me all these questions about my pregnancy. And I'm like, this is really strange. Like, I feel like nobody should feel this comfortable texting me about my vagina, you know? Like, that's kind of strange. Well, so. A message to any listener don't be asking questions that you don't have 
any reason yeah, this, is, this is for my mom too if you're listening <laughs> I, I mean I still have to tell her like you have the opportunity to have a kid and do be a parent that's over with <laughs> it's you're a grandparent and that's your job now but I'm my mom's only child Mm, bro yeah that ain't my problem that is not my problem (laughs) and I have very strong and consistent boundaries Mm. and that don't stop her but it don't stop me either so I do have to constantly remind her that she had her chance is the Puerto Rican on your mom's side is the Puerto Rican on your mom's side or your dad's side I mean, but she could be one. I mean, if you want to, uh, she's pretty spicy. If you had a Puerto Rican mom, mom. That's, that's boundaries are hard. Boundaries are hard. I mean, but she's black. So I mean, like, mm, I mean, very similar ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Good for you but, for holding yeah. your boundaries. Yep, blocked her on Facebook too. She ain't won't be listening to this. <laughs> she'll be commenting on my. She'll she'll love pictures. She'll heart pictures. This is just my little personal therapy with y'all. She'll heart pictures and then text me. Why is he wearing that? <laughs> you just <laughs> what? What are you saying? He's gonna be gay if you let him wear oh, a dress. Oh, no. is he not? Is she not? Oh yeah. And I mean, and honestly, it's not, and I will talk about her and I can talk about her, but just like you're saying, Gabby, like during the pregnancy, the shit doesn't stop. I know this is probably not supposed to be a rant and rave about other people's podcasts, but it just doesn't stop. It's like, what are you? And I'm very strict on what I like, what my kids eat and whatnot, but it's like, oh, that's not organic. Like, oh, y'all aren't gluten free. And and, you know, it's just. or oh my son can't I had a friend that came over and her son could not play with like the girl's dolls Mm, yeah and yeah and so I would see like and I'm in a lot of mom groups I learned a lot from those mom groups but I also learned (laughs) like yeah that's it mind your business because they would unsolicited unsolicited advice um, so find your find your people right find those that like align with your values and align with like your way of being right that's important too. oh that's so important and I, I, manif- yep, I manifested my friends I'm, I came to Austin see when I got pregnant I was living in St. Louis I didn't move here until I knew that Anthony my partner was gonna get me on the insurance because I had good insurance and mm-hmm. I, I thought that that really mattered now I'm looking back like does it really matter um, but I had good insurance. So I was like, I'm not moving there. And so I know that I'm getting on your insurance because we weren't married. So once I got on the insurance, I moved when I was three months pregnant. Mm. So, um, so I did that and, um, I didn't, I knew one person in Austin and her daughter was wow. probably maybe like seven or eight at the time. So I didn't have any friends. And my first mommy friend, I met my, uh, through like Craigslist. Cause I was going to maybe Facebook marketplace. Um, Cause I wanted to go pick up a stroller and we're still friends. Her, her oh, wow. husband actually just left. Uh, they're on vacation. So he came to hang out with Anthony for a little bit. Um, but I'm, but I also manifested these people because like I said, remember the whole part of the brain part of the brain um, body womb is reframing your thoughts 
and basically to get what I want. Let's just be real. I reframe my thoughts to get what I want. And what I wanted was good quality friendships and true connections of people in a village. Even if we weren't next door neighbors and living on a commune, I still had a village. And I knew that if I called these people about anything, there would be no judgments. Even if there's a little judgment, they're like, Mm-hmm. zip about the judgment it wouldn't be something thrown in my face and I'm telling y'all I have that and mm-hmm. over beyond I have an abundance of connections with people that are aligned with the way that I parent and I didn't say like-minded because we're not all like-minded yeah. but we're similar-minded and you know just just that community in that village that tribe and that's what I, I really think everybody should have I really hope everybody can can have that I think yeah. that's a space where you feel validated and not like it's a non-judgmental space where you can just be and show up as you, your authentic self and feel safe and feel, you know, held. I think it's, it's so important to have. So important. So important. And where yeah, your kids, and- right? Your kids can play and not get the messages you don't want them to get, right? Or body shamed or, you know, the homophobic messages or, you know, all the things that will come at our children, right? And so, yes, yes, yes. And which is, all if the that's the way that a person parents, that's how they parent. Right. And that's no, I mean, no judgment right. for me if that's how you want to parent. Right. But it's for me in this household. We're wildlings <laughs> and we're radical and we're about acceptance mm-hmm. and all that. So it is good to have that community, which is why we are not physical. Uh, well, we're physical distancing, but not social distancing because we really, really need um, human connection and human interaction, um, which is why I love like the Pope. I'm, uh, I'm a postpartum facilitator with Mama Son of Every Woman and I absolutely love it. And we connect and we talk and we it's a brave space um and people pretty we open up and a lot of you know even beyond them a lot of the are what would do like the negative core belief and women in general or people who identify as a woman just saying women for right now uh, we feel inadequate we think mm-hmm. that we are not this don't even have anything to do with parenting all the time there are people that i work with and we'll break down those negative core beliefs that we have so that we can move on and it would be like I'm not valued, I'm not appreciated, and I'm inadequate, I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. And they be doing a million things. And I'm like, what, do you not see what you're doing? But guess what? I had the same negative core belief. Mm-hmm. I did not think that I was doing enough. I wasn't, I'm like, oh, I'm not cooking enough or he's gonna leave me because this, I make him eat vegan food. It was just all these things that were like coming, just coming out that just weren't just, even the even oh. the waiting six weeks for sex, I'm like, oh, he's gonna be looking at porn. Uh, it was just like, oh, it was just like all these things that were going in my mind. So, and it's a lot of the things that we, like I said, I, I hear a lot is just mm-hmm. thinking that we're not good enough and that we're not enough. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I had to reframe. If these if these thoughts come up, gotten about your puppy, Mm-mm, no man. <laughs> He's just, he's just a puppy that likes plants. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. He's yeah. No, I don't, I don't even know what to say, but it, it has because there, I have this, like, I also follow a group on Facebook, but it's a puppy group, like a 
puppy training group instead. I love all these groups on Facebook. Yes, yes. So awesome. Plant drama yesterday. Oh, yeah. She was <laughs> a plant group. And they had some plant drama. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they just, they're trainers and they're sharing some free information. And it's awesome because it's been very helpful. But sometimes he ruins plants. And I'm like, oh, well, I wasn't taking care of him. I should have been looking at him. Well, but he is a puppy. He has instincts. He does what he wants to do. So not a human but hopefully I'll carry what I'm learning for when I decide to whether I want to be a mom for a human or not. And no pressure if not. Yes. Yeah, no pressure. How, we accept but you and love you no matter yeah. what. Someone, be child. Be child. I'll have this podcast translated and then shown to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Don't, don't let her hear what I said about my mom. <laughs> no. I think this is good though. I think that this is something that I like to have known, even though my, like you, um, Josie, you were saying that you were, oh, I got pregnant at 29. Like my grandma told me, I thought you were going to be a spinster. Oh, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> an old maid. I was like, what? Grandma, like, and if I was, that would have been my business. And the whole right. time she's saying Spencer, I remember the woman that turns the wheel and then pricks the fingers. One of those fairy tales. I, I just kept thinking, like, I'm going to be that lady. I'm making fun, like, cool clothes and stuff. Anyway, um, so I had them kind of young. So I looked at, like, how my uh, my other, my siblings, cousins, how they had them in, like, 15 and 16. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't seem like they went through anything. I mean, yeah. I know that they did. And I clearly wasn't in the right mind. But just all my friends who had kids, like nobody told me what it was really like. They never said that I would never use the bathroom by myself again. They never said that you you can compare your children to puppies and still be a good mom. Because let me tell you something, they're like little chihuahuas. I trip over them all the time. I trip <laughs> over my kids, y'all. I don't know that they're that close. It's true. I elbowed poor Santi in the head, my Santi in the head, not your Santi, but my Santi. I elbowed him in the head the other day. He <laughs> said it, you know, he was right there. <laughs> but they are, they're chicle, they're chicle, they're on you, All they're just right on you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have these different styles of parenting and one of them is attachment parenting, which I like, I thought it was real cute. And then they became attached. <laughs> <laughs> what is the opposite of this parenting? I need the opposite. There's, I need a balance. So anybody out there wants to do attachment parents and think about that. Because <laughs> it works. And then they won't leave your side. <laughs> will not, they will be with you until they're 48 years old. No, I'm just kidding. They're getting out of here. I love them dearly, though. <laughs> I love uh, y'all. Well. Ro, thank you uh, for thank joining y'all. us, Gabby, Karen. It was good, good show. Any last minute, your handle on on social media, which you want to share with the people so they can find you. Oh, uh, for me, Ro. my yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am on Instagram as Brain Body Womb, so that's at Brain Body Womb. And I share little, you know, little nuggets here and there. And if you just want to follow my personal account and get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. It's conscious, 
underscore heathen. So that <laughs> so that tells you a little bit about me. And um, I also have www.brainbodywomb.com. That's my website. And book a free consultation. See if you even like me enough to even want to work with me. And I think that's it. Oh, and I don't want to scare people. Uh, I don't want to scare pregnant people. So that's why you really want a doula or you really want to work with a coach so that you're able to like reframe all those fears that you have and turn them into something that's going to serve you. And like Gabby said, so that you can surrender to your body. I think that is so important. And I'm already, I'm glad she's on that wave. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank All right, y'all. And you can catch um, our next episode in a couple of weeks. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.